Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Hey guys, uh, this week I've got Darla Jones from the uh, Fort Worth Academy of Fine Arts and also she is a longtime thespian, active thespian board member and just a, a volunteer for the entire thespian festival. Every year she's there, she's a mainstay. A lot of people know Darla, know her face, but you don't really know her story and that's why we're here now. Talk about Darla, Darla Jones, a uh, very highly respected person in this business, and very well could be uh, a mentor for more people than probably anybody else currently in education. She's she's somebody that I know I look up to, a lot of people that I'm friends with look up to because of just how she handles her business and the product that she puts out there. Just a really, really amazing woman. Once again, make sure you are following me on Twitter, Mr. Blake Miner. This is on iTunes. This is on Google. It should be on Spotify. I'm dealing with that right now, but it should be there soon. Anyway, if you do follow me, make sure you also uh, subscribe. Make sure you're listening every week. Leave a comment. Leave some good reviews. Whatever you want. You know what I mean? Enough wasting your time. Let's get to the mainstays of the podcast the Groner Joke of the Week. This week's joke, teacher looks at a student and says, I hope I didn't just see you looking at Johnny's test. Student says to the teacher, I hope you didn't see me either. Minor wisdom, Baba minor, minor. Don't expect to be given anything Unless you can prove you can work with what you have. This week's interview. I fell into teaching, funnily enough. Um, I had no intention of ever being a teacher my entire life. And uh, my daughter was at Fort Worth Academy of Fine Arts, and she started her fourth grade year, and I was a parent volunteer, but I had always been in theater. And so um, at that time, we had 90 children at FWAFA. We now have 580. And, uh, and it was fourth through 12th grade. And that year, we had one little girl graduating from 12th grade. And so they were doing... Guys, and no, they did guys and dogs. Yes, they were doing guys and dogs that year, and they were supposed to open in about a month. And the kids, I knew a lot of the kids, and they told me it was a disaster. And I went to the fine arts director and I said, "Do you need any help?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, "Well, I could probably direct this for you." Uh, and he said, "Okay." And we put it together in four weekends with eight-hour rehearsals on Saturday. And so they offered me a long-term sub position for the rest of the year because the, that particular theater person was a choir person and really didn't know what they were doing. And so um, then the next year I started, didn't have a clue, but I took it anyway, and I taught third through 12th grade. 
and um, <laughs> and I kind of made it up as I went along. And after about five years, I it clicked. Um, by that point, I was certified, and and I finally figured out, okay, this is what I need to be doing with them. And finally, I had no pedagogy at all, uh, no educational foundation, just theater. And I, luckily, I am a person who will research and research until I can find out what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had originally, well, earlier worked at the Chamber of Commerce uh, when my son was born, and and that was sort of my skill set, you know, being resourceful and being able to find stuff. And that's what I did. And so um, I just started reading and reading and trying to figure out and, try, you know, going to TETA and, and going to Thespians and trying to figure out what the heck I was doing and asking a lot of questions. And finally, I said, I got to get ahead of these guys. And so I went to U of H and got my master's with the educator program um, for the summer, summer MA program. And um, so 16 years later, <laughs> here we are. And uh, and now I'm teaching mostly production, although next year I am going to teach some theater survey classes, um, theater one survey, and then a tech theater one survey. So, um, and then costuming. And uh, so that'll be loads of fun because I can sneak in that theater history in that I love so much. And that I teach at um, the community college in, in uh, Grand Prairie, so. What, you have yep, to you have to it. you have to sneak in theater history. One would think you would not, but <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but our school is so focused on um, acting training, mm. and and I just keep saying, you guys, we we got to get more of that in there. So can you at the private level? Because I'm not as familiar. With the private school right. level, can can you ask for or create a course that doesn't exist? So could you do like a theater appreciation course? That Essentially, deals with yes. Yeah. Uh, but we are not private; we are charter. Charter. And so yeah. yeah. So we are bound by PEAMS codes, just like you guys right. in public school are. And so as long as it fits the PEAMS code, then we're good. Uh, and they have what they call innovative courses too for charter yeah. schools, and so um, you know they have that for public school as well. And so sometimes you know we'll go to those innovative courses, and we've even suggested innovative courses before. Um, so it, it's good, you know. We have the freedom a lot of times. I think more so than public schools do uh, to fashion a curriculum that fits a little bit more towards our children. And with us. Being a fine arts charter school, uh, we really do focus on technique and training and that sort of thing. Um, although, you know, I think I have a little bit more holistic approach, especially um, with teaching at the college level and looking at what they have to have, you know. Um, and in, I listened to your podcast with Jim Johnson. Um, you know, Jim's biggest complaint about 
theater uh, freshmen is that they don't have, and Shimko too. Um, you need to talk to Rob Shimko. He would be amazing <laughs> for you to have on this podcast. Um, but they just don't have the um, literature, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they are required to have. And then I don't think a lot of times they have the foundation. And I that's really where I start, you know, and I think that that MA program helped with that substantially. Yeah, so, well, that leads me to two questions. The first one okay. has has your experience teaching uh, community college, has that led to an alteration of how you teach your students uh, at, at uh, Fort Worth? It's funny because I am much more um, project oriented with my Fort Worth Academy of Fine Arts kids. And I am much more lecture-based with my TCC kids. And I I struggle in 16 weeks to not have a lecture-based class with them. Um, and because, you know, the, the curriculum for, for that particular intro class is supposed to be sort of an overview from primitive to American musical theater and trying to cram it all in at one time, it's, that's tough, you know, and and I always look for some more innovative ways. With my Flapa kids, we do more project-based stuff, and so I've really struggled to try to get college kids to do project-based stuff, but of course, then they're pissed at you because you know, I don't want to work with X, Y, Z, and they aren't pulling their weight. I want an A, and you're screwing my GPA and all that, you know. Um, so the collaborative feel is easier, I think, at the high school level. One of the complaints is from the college level, from the university level, is that students are not organized. They're not, they don't know how to manage <laughs> a, a schedule. They don't know how to just literally manage themselves when it comes to now having the freedom to decide if they should do a show, when are rehearsals, because the rehearsals aren't exactly, they're not like high school. They're not three to five every day after school, and, you know, it's its not mandated. There's no UIL to say you can only do eight hours and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What would be your kind of, when you see these kids enter uh, secondary, not secondary, what, uh, higher higher education, when you see those kids enter that, what's, I mean, is that, do you agree with that or is there something you want to add to that or you think there's a bigger issue? Uh, um, I absolutely agree with it. Um, yes, I think there's a bigger issue. I, I it, There are multi-issues, especially on the community college level, I think. Um, a lot of them don't have the ability to critically write. Um, and it's it's always fascinating to me coming from Swapa because we really are considered a prep school in a lot of ways, and so our and we have really rigorous English um, literature and you know critical writing and and we do AP Lit and all that kind of stuff. And so my kids are always superior writers comparatively to community college kids. So you see that you you see the really the higher level thinking is not really there 
um, comparatively to a lot of theater kids, you know. Theater kids understand how to manage their life. And I think that's the gift that we give to them all the time, is that helping them understand, um, my kids anyway, and and I would also insert that we have audition-only children, and so, you know, they they typically perform at a higher level, I think, than just the average kid. You know what I mean? Um, so, yes, I think understanding schedule, understanding priority, uh, man, time management is difficult for a lot of these incoming freshmen. Um, they, you know, they whine and moan, why won't you take late work? They have every excuse in the world, you know. And so it's it's really a tough balance, you know, to let them absolutely fail. And believe me, I've had some 16s in my classes, my college classes. Or it's like, tried to help you, bud, but, you know, you didn't help yourself. And um, So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of them. Sometimes it's maybe even helicopter parenting, you know. Um, they've been managed a lot. Mm-hmm. I have I have had... Um, I've had a college student parent call me to to discuss their child, you know, and just had to say, sorry, man. I mean, yeah. FERPA does not allow me to discuss this with you. Sorry. I, I've had, I can't tell you how many students I've had that, that talk about their, you know, when they get to college, it's going to be so much better because their parents and are going to be able to talk to the professor and get what they want and this and that. And I'm not, I'm not being kind to them and so on and so forth. And I, I've, I have, I very rarely have issues with parents, but when I have, it always, for some reason leads to, uh, I can't wait to be out of here and in college. It's like, well, it'll be a little different, but good, good luck. Yeah. 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 So that's always fun. Um, so you have, when did you get involved with, uh, thespians? Um, really actively, uh, I started helping Carl with Carlin's, uh, actually with Anita, when Anita Grant was chapter director. Um, I did a few things here and there and volunteered as I could. And, um, and then when Carlin came in, Carlin Gilseth as chapter director, I said, you know what, let me rewrite the sort of the rules, you know, sort of the how to do this thing. Um, what I really felt like as a newer director is what Mandy Tapia is now working on, being able to reach out to those directors that are completely overwhelmed and to say, let's do this step-by-step and give you a checklist and that kind of thing. Because that's the way my brain works, as you know. It's just, you know, detail and... Uh, checklist and that's how I thrive and so I wrote that and then Amy came along uh, after Jeremy left and she called me and she said um, Jeremy says that you're because he had asked me to do the junior festival in Houston the first year we had a junior festival festival and she said uh, so-and-so is supposed to help you with this and I said I don't have any idea who that is and she said, well, do you think you could do the junior festival? And I said, yes. 
And she's like, okay, cool. So that's when we started. So what, that was seven years ago that I really started working consecutively. But have always volunteered, you know, as I could. Yeah. Now you're a mainstay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I'm secretary. Yeah. And uh, chairman of the um, educator conference, which is pretty fun. And you've kind of found, whether you had it there or not, you've kind of found this passion for helping new teachers. You kind of touched on that. I think that as we try to help our children with having a thespian troop, there's so much to do. And I, um, I liken it to the first time you go to UIL and you just hope to God you don't get DQ'd. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what going to festival feels like, you know, Um, or, or doing the truth deal, you know, how, how am I going to do this and make it great for the kids and not lose myself and make sure that they're taken care of and not have parents screaming at me because I didn't get a room for their child. And now we have, you know, six in a bed. Um, so I just really feel like we've grown so much that, um, and and let me touch back on this, that before I came into teaching, I did a little bit of everything. I did everything that would have brought me to be a theater teacher. And that was retail sales and um, community involvement and uh, marketing and development and and a, a host of things. And so what I learned with that was customer service. When I worked at the Chamber of Commerce, you know, everything that we did was about just helping those people that were looking for resources. And then I worked at Neiman Marcus as a professional makeup artist, off and on for 10 years. Again, customer service. How are we going to provide great customer service? And so what I have identified with thespians is that along the way, we lost some great customer service or didn't have it, or required it, or whatever. And so that's one of the conversations Amy and I have a lot, is how are we going to provide that level of customer service from all of us on the board? Um, How are we going to be able to make people feel that this is inclusive, and that it is for everybody, despite the fact that we have 8,000 people at a festival? How are we going to give them that little touchstone? And I think one of the ways we've done that is by bringing Mandy on board and and starting to interface <clears throat> personally, um, you know, with email and face to face and that sort of thing as we can. I I remember because I remember my first time dealing with Amy. I thought that she's dealing with hundreds, if not thousands, of people. And she's giving me the time of day. Why? What is? What's going on? You know, what did I do? <laughs> you know, yeah. your, your first thought is, what did I mess up? Um, and and you you know you know you don't. But uh, that that I I do get that now, and I get why. Uh, it's it's not hard to be friendly. Um, and 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 I that's part of the reason why I enjoy I've enjoyed so far my time on on the board is. It's like we're just we're just being friendly, you know. Um, yeah. You know, when somebody needs something, you 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 go help them. Uh, and I've and that's just it's just kind of a basic 
behavior that gets lost uh, now. So anyway, uh, enough about that. What? Um, well, but but let me check okay, back yeah. on that momentarily. I mean, I think that that is absolutely the most important thing that we as board members bring. You know, and I think what a lot of people forget is that we are full-time teachers also. And yet, you know, we're putting on this festival and, you know, we're busting our butts just like everybody else throughout the, the year. And so sometimes when people perceive that we are short or terse or don't give them the amount of time, particularly during festival time, you know, or, or leading up to that, that we are also doing this in addition to everything else that they're doing in their classroom. Um, and so you're right. I mean, being friendly should be the minimum, absolutely the minimum. So um, that I'm, I'm, that I'm passionate about that, yeah. you know, to make sure that everybody feels welcome. Truly. On the new teacher side, and maybe you can give me one on on a veteran teacher side too. And I don't want you to incriminate anyone, um, but what is kind of an a very common issue that you see with new teachers? Is it just the unexpected? They don't really know what's around the corner. Uh, is it just that they are overwhelmed? Is there something simple that they're missing when they are planning and and attending festival, or is it is there something more complex? I think they just get overwhelmed mostly. Um, you know, the, the, well, let me retract that. I think that a very large majority don't read. I mean, they just don't read. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, there's so much information on the website and, um, you know, there's so many checklists and that sort of thing. Um, you know, Mandy does a, um, a workshop about forms and, you know, she's girl after my own heart with lists and forms and details and stuff. And, and so, you know, some of it is just simple organization. Uh, but first and foremost, it's reading. And, you know, if they would take the time to read, then they could get a lot of answers. Uh, I mean, a lot of questions answered. Um, and and that's what I think sometimes bogs us down on the flip side is that we're answering the questions that are there. You know, the information has been given. So I think that, that that's a primary thing. Uh, for some veteran teachers, it's just, well, I know what I'm doing, but perhaps something has changed slightly. And then, you know, we hear about, well, I didn't know about that. Well, we go right back to reading, you know. So uh, that's what I post on Facebook a lot. Read, friends. Please read. <laughs> what is a workshop you want to see presented but hasn't been done yet? Or maybe one that, that was uh, a description, you know, or a, a workshop presenter or somebody that you yeah, just. Yeah, well. Yeah. What I would love for us to have at. Um, thespians is, are two people, and that is, and and I'm I'm trying to get them for the educator concept. One is Larry Silverberg, who teaches Meisner. He's brilliant, 
Um, and I was in his workshop many years ago. Um, and then the other is um, Sharna Halpern. And she wrote Truth and Comedy. And she is at the Improv Olympics in Chicago. Um, and she's equally brilliant. Uh, she teaches long-form improv, which I adore. And um, I, I just think it'd be grand to have those two back, you know, and have it available for our teachers. So, and that's the cool part. You know, I'm already starting to formulate who I want to have come this, this uh, for 2020 educator conference. Um, and I, it's not going to be a repeat of what we had last year at all. Um, I want to rotate, you know, about every five years <laughs> with people coming in uh, just so we can keep it fresh and new and make sure that people are getting the kind of training that they need. Yeah, so that's one of the biggest complaints sometimes is uh, the there's nothing new here. I'm seeing the same workshops. Right. And, and, and that's not just with thespians. It's with TTA as well. As, um, yeah. I, I'm, I, there's no reason for me to go. Last year you had the same people. Um now, right. that said, with thespians, the biggest difference is your students are cyclical. So there's no, you know, you're you're not bringing the same seniors. It's uh, correct. It's different kids. So so I get I get that. Um, how how big do you see thespians getting? Educator conference or thespian festival? Yes. Both. Um... <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, educator conference, I really don't want to have more than 300, 350. Right. Um, I just think we would lose the intimacy, and that, that's really important yeah. uh, to to alien needs that we have that kind of intimacy you know, going on and, and have the ability to network. Festival is anybody's guess, because I'll tell you that <laughs> The day that we sat in our planning meeting and watched the numbers tick away from 3,500 to about 4,200, um, you know, we were all hysterical because we're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do with 4,200 people? Yeah. <laughs> and that twice that. I have a feeling we'll cap out at 10. Yeah. Um, it, that's, that's sort of my gut. And um, and if that's the case, the Gaylord will only ever be the place that will hold us unless they build something new down south. Yeah, or we, or we put a bunch of cots inside of an, uh, a stadium <laughs> or something. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tape out squares and say, here's your workshop, yep, you know? Yeah, um, Okay. Uh, that is big. <laughs> that is, yeah. That is... Uh, yeah, I mean... You know, when you said, oh, you know, you went back in the days when it was, you know, 25 or, you know, 3,500 or 5,000 or whatever, it's like, oh, for those days again. You know, when I first went, I think it was 2,500. Yeah. And uh, when we were down in Wichita Falls and uh, or up in Wichita Falls and then down in Galveston, you yeah. know, and I'm telling you, that, oh, for those days, man. So the yeah the first time the first time I ever traveled as a teacher to thespians because I had gone as a student when I was at HSPVA, right. But the, but the first time I'd ever uh, gone as a teacher was with Pam Wilson, or the first time I traveled. Mm -hmm. I I did go my first year teaching, but it was in Dallas or North. It was North Texas. I didn't have to travel. Um, and that's when I was teaching up there. But 
when I went with Pam Wilson, I, I just, I was just as much of a student as I was the, the teacher, the chaperone, the quote unquote adult on the trip. Um, but, but going back to the new teacher thing, kind of circling back to that, I, I remember vividly being, and I, and again, I did nothing for the planning. Pam Wilson did everything. All I did was mm-hmm. sit there and say, good job, Pam. But <laughs> I, uh, I remember being kind of overwhelmed just by the sheer magnitude. And again, that was comparative to now half the size, if not mm-hmm. smaller. Um, and I, I, I remember being just very overwhelmed, but excited at the same time, because like you <laughs> said earlier, the passion aspect of things, which I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of passion. I think that's, that's the key of being a good teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I just, I remember vividly thinking, wow, like, like, well, I'm Jewish, not like a kid on Christmas, I guess a, a kid every <laughs> night for Hanukkah. I remember thinking, just, you know, wow, this is so like huge and massive and I don't know what to do with myself. I, I guess I'll go to a workshop and then you get in these workshops and I'm not, I'm not one of these people that goes to the, I don't remember what it was back then, but now the Beyonce workshop is, you know, massive and everybody goes to that, you know, those, those fun dance ones. But I went to, yeah, mama, yeah, 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 all those, they're just, they're just massive. But I I went to a tech workshop and there Mm -hmm. were two dozen people maybe. And I thought, ah, so this is where things settle down. This is where it becomes more normal is when you're in these workshops Again, not the you know the, the more more of the workshops are are two dozen people than than they are two hundred people like those big ones, but that's that's where everything became normal and comfortable, and you're sitting with your colleagues, you're sitting with people that have similar interests, um, and and I that's what I still as a now as a board member I'd love to focus on that kind of element of things of saying hey guys I know you're here. And it's overwhelming and crazy, but go to a workshop. That's where you're going to feel comfortable. That's where you're going to feel great. Yeah. You know? Um, and, you know, if, if I could, I, I encourage new teachers to be engaged the whole time. Yeah. You know, use that as professional development also. And because there's so many, I think, that are like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to hang out while my kids are in the workshops. No. You know, there's so many incredible workshop presenters and go hear what they're telling your children and then discuss what they're telling your children and, you know, have them write about that and report to you and that sort of thing. You know, that that's what I do with my kiddos. I They have to write a paragraph about every workshop they go to to prove that they've been there, you know, and, and then that leads us to, okay, what was the best thing? Every night we have a meeting. What was the best thing today? You know, and that comes after we've worked our butts off all day, you know, and then I'm like dog tired and getting up at, you know, dark 30 the next morning. But I still take time with my kids to say, tell me the best parts of your day today, you know, Um, and those new teachers need to be in on that as well. Um, I think it's really important for them. What do you think is right and what do you think is wrong with education? I would say that 
while corporal punishment is not where we need to be, that holding children accountable has changed the way education um, has evolved. Um, and I think that that touches back to that whole idea of how they go prepared for college. Again, it's about this accountability. Um, the lawnmower parents, you know, the helicopter parents, the children being um, entitled. You know, I'm showing my age here, but honest to God, if I got in trouble at school, um, my mom and dad knew it, and then I got my butt whipped at home, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But when I got home, and I mean, it didn't happen because very often because I was, you know, I was a great kid, but there were moments, you know. Um, and so I do think it's about accountability and making children be responsible. You know, when um, when we put up the thespian scholarship application. A lot of teachers will say, oh, oh, you know, my children, I got to help my children. No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't help them. Um, and I think, <laughs> I mean, I did it with my own kid. You know, we passed art because she just, she didn't do it. And when she graduated and we had our senior roast, I said, uh, thank you, Mrs. Wong, for the A in the art class this year. You know, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was as much guilty as any other parent. But there comes a time where you just have to say, what are the natural consequences of parenting? What are the natural consequences of education? If they fail, is it the worst thing that's going to happen? And I think, too, the other part of that is that children, students, are so GPA-oriented you know, that they're going to do whatever it takes. Um, and then finally, I think funding has had a huge hit in Texas and literally resources. Um, but, you know, it's funny, Blake, because when I was thinking about us talking about this tonight, with us being in charter school, we just we don't have the this resources that a lot of public schools do. And so with that, one of the things that I love to teach is how to make something from nothing. And, you know, I think instilling that creativity in allowing children to uh, falter, you know, how are you going to teach when you don't have those resources? How are you going to teach creatively? And how are you going to get those kids to think creatively? You know, we could talk for three days about yeah, so that. There, you yeah, know? I mean, there's a workshop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what do you th What do you think is right? Do you have anything that you think is going well? Um, I do think um, holding teachers accountable to certification you know, that it's important that we be certified, that we understand our content, that we stay up on that content. Yeah, so that we are not, not to cut you off, you know, but... I, no, it's fine. Yeah, because I agree that, that holding us accountable to, to be certified when we step foot in the classroom for the first time, but do you think that 
10 years from now, I'm a first year teacher. Do you think that 10 years from now I'm going to be, if, if I'm not a lifelong learner, it doesn't mean I'm going to lose my job. Uh, but, but a good teacher is a lifelong learner. They continually, right. you know, Brad Cummins, uh, who's retiring this year is a lifelong learner. He has, what, the thing that made him so successful is that he stayed hip, you know, he stayed up with everything yeah. that was happening. Um, and then there are teachers that will remain nameless that still think that, uh, footlights and, uh, are, are the way that you're supposed to light a stage, you know? Um, <laughs> So, yeah. uh, that, that's, that's the, I'm playing devil's advocate to what you said, but, um, personally, I would like to see more, you got to get recertified, that kind of thing, yeah. you know, in, in however long, eight, eight to 12 years, you have to re up. You know, it's not a bad idea. Uh, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, these lifetime K through six, um, yeah, I mean, you can do your PDA, you know, PDI or whatever, uh, CPE hours, you know, but what are you really getting out of them? Yeah. You know, yeah. and and how is it improving what you know, and what are you seeing that is new and fresh and all of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the other thing is uh, that could be wrong is this whole testing business as we get ready to go into start this coming week. That always <laughs> makes me want to poke my uh, eyeballs yeah. out. Um, <laughs> but I do think what is right is that for those teachers that love their children, that we have become more about relationships. Um, I'll tell you a story about when I was in high school, um, my family was, you know, put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> and <laughs> one night after a particularly, or one morning after a particularly difficult night, I went to school and I was in tears. And my boyfriend came to me and he put his arms around me and the teacher walked up to us and said, no PDA. Not once did that teacher say to me, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? How can I help you? And I remember that was what molded me as a teacher, that moment in time. Yeah. Again, never anticipating that I would be a teacher. Uh, never a consideration. But when I finally got in the classroom with those kids, the first thing that I said was, I'm never going to be that person. And it's always going to be important to me that I foster relationships with these children and that I find out who they are. Um, and then from there, they will accept what I have to teach them. Curtain call. What are you doing for new teachers? For Texas Thespian and new teachers um, is what you're talking about. Um, well... Uh, a few years ago, I ran into Darla at Texas Thespian. She was one of um, one of the few but super eager people who came and talked to me at the director's um, dinner or whatever it is, the banquets that they have for the directors at night at the Thespian Festival. And she came and sat at a table with myself and another director who was in his third year of teaching. And, 
and she just struck up a conversation of, of how we were enjoying the festival and, and what we thought about it. And um, if you know anything about me, I'm pretty comfortable with speaking my mind. And so I told her all the things that I loved about it and all the things that I thought were missing, at least for a new director um, starting out and, and trying to figure out the festival. And so um, she very nicely and Darla's sweet way um, said, put your money where your mouth is. If you, you know, if you are really serious about um, trying to help find a better way to, to hit that demographic, then, you know, reach out to me. And I'm sure she put it in my hands for the simple fact and, 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 you know, helping out the small amount that I have so far, I get it. Like you have a lot of people who have a lot of negative things to say, but not a whole lot of ways of how to fix it or, or what they can do to help it. Um, and so I just started helping and, um, I emailed her and, and said I was serious. And so she just started sending me a whole bunch of information of new directors that were starting on. She started creating a whole bunch of different Google sheets and of just, uh, new troop leaders or, or, uh, directors that even directors that have switched to different campuses or, or different districts. And, um, and now we've just been trying to find a better way of reaching out to those directors throughout the year. Um, and more so trying to create a mentor program so that it's not just Darla and I um, trying to reach out to every new director across the state, you know, that, that are involved with us. I think there was like 40 something new directors this year that, um, that gained new troops and that's huge, but, but um, it's difficult for us to keep up with while we're all doing our stuff too. So um, we're trying to find a way to create a mentorship program where that there are mentors across the state in different regions that can help their, you know, few um, new directors in their area. Yeah, and really this podcast should, you know, be published in September. Well, I, I think it's beneficial now, though, because we're we're also coming at the, at the start of job postings, right? So people are going to be moving to new schools, people are going to be looking for new jobs, there are going to be people who never taught theater who are now all of a sudden thrown into the position of a theater position, um, and they're going to be either handed the opportunity to start a troop or they're going to be in the middle of a troop that's already flourishing, but they have no idea how to keep it going. Um, and we, right now, Texas Thespian Festival, um, because of cost and travel and everything like that, we we kind of hit the three A schools and up. We we don't really uh, we don't you know have that many one A and two A troops that are in attendance at, at festival. And I think that that is something that we would love to have and see more of. And I think that mentorship programs in itself is super beneficial to to those specific schools because a lot of what Darla and I try to show directors. And, um, for me, that's something that I try to do at, at both best fans and, um, at TTC and at TTA is showing new directors how it, it, while it can be overwhelming to, to get a troop to festival and to be, a, and, and even taking festival out of the equation, just to get a troop going and keep it, you know, keep it going. Um, that it can be done with, you know, just with planning 
and, and being really wise about your fundraising. And, and, um, for me, I only fundraise if I know exactly where those funds are going. And so, um, you know, I just have very specific ways of getting, you know, my 25 or 30 kids to festival. And I've only ever worked in, in title one schools or, 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 uh, or at least close to it. And so, um, my kids can't afford to go either. And so, just finding ways of being able to help other troops figure that out is something that's kind of near and dear to me. And I've had a lot of people that I've met at conferences, um, at specifically starting at TETA, that reached out to me after um, attending a session of mine just talking about how to get your troops involved and how to get them to festival and then going into to Texas Thespians and TTEC of them revisiting and saying, I'm trying this next year or, you know, how can I get more involved or, um, and I think that's, I think talking about it now is what we tried to do last year because ideally by the time we get to festival, we are, we're already our own entity so that there are sessions that new directors are coming to every year to kind of get more help or to then lend a helping hand to somebody else. And so starting the conversation now is ideal, not in September. To me, September's already too late. Then we're just trying to catch up before November. Minor wisdom.